we welcome in the victorious head coach of the Sam Houston Bearcats, Coach Casey Keeler. First of all, Coach, congratulations. Very excited for you and your program. Yeah, I'm so excited for our kids. You know, COVID football has not been easy for anybody, especially for us who played in the spring. Just such an emotional roller coaster. Are we going to play? Are we not going to play? Um, outbreaks on campus, outbreaks with other teams. Uh, and and uh, we found a way to get the season in. And, you know, what a season we had. And I'm so proud of my kids. Uh, and it's great to be called national champions. Maybe the most bizarre college football season in the history of college football. And why not have the championship game have some drama like that as well with the, with the rain delay? How, how did you and your football team handle that weather delay? Well, first of all, our dietitian had anticipated this. And so we had sandwiches all ready for our kids if we were going to have a rain delay. I think that was big, you know, make sure they're, they're keeping their energy going. We were making sure they're hydrating, doing all those little kind of things. Other thing is, is that the first four rain delays or lightning delays, I told them, hey, guys, you know, heading out in 30 minutes. Hey, hold on, heading out in 30 minutes. Hey, hold on, we just had another lightning strike, heading out in 30 minutes. And finally, I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to wait till someone says, hey, we're about, you know, five, six minutes out. So they finally came to me about seven, eight minutes out and said, it's clear, it's a go. So I said, man, we're going to go out seven minutes, we're, get ready, we're heading out. And all of a sudden, I go back to changing the, the locker room, you know, the coaches' locker room. I hear the music go on. I kind of peek my head around the corner. And, guys, it's a mosh pit. It is an absolute mosh pit. The kids are jumping up and down. The music's blaring. I mean, you know, you thought you were at a nightclub. And they were so excited to play. They just wanted to go. And I've done this long enough to know when not to interfere. And I was not going to interfere with that at all because their energy was amazing. They went out. And, uh, again, we played a great opponent, and we found a way to get a national championship. Isn't that been kind of the theme of your football team this year is that excitement level and, and self-generated and, and able to go out and just do what they have to do and fight through all of the adversity and get this thing done? Well, I, I think what we've had to do to play a football season has led to this whole thing. I mean, the, the adversity we see as opportunities. And, you know, from COVID to not having locker rooms or meeting space because of a new facility going up or the fact you lost your offensive line coach and your defensive line coach or that, you know, I don't even have the staff together. My offensive staff is in the, the, the stadium and the, the defensive staff is in an old bank building. It goes on and on and on. And so these are the challenges that these guys have met. And I think it was just only fitting to have five lightning delays. I think it was only fitting to have to win with 16 seconds left to go in the game. It was almost only fitting to have like sort of this very bizarre, intense, strange sort of way to end the season because it's been that kind of season. Coach, we've talked about your defense, you know, every time you've come on and how really crucial they've been to y'all's success. But when you go out and you only really allow one big run by somebody as talented as Isaiah Davis, what does that say about that unit? Oh, you know, I say, first of all, you want to talk about an impressive offensive group, that offensive line, those tight ends, uh, and the two running backs they had. I mean, you know, really, really just impressive guys. And, you know, all season long, it, you know, really since week two on, it's been the defense, the defense, the defense. But in the playoffs, it's been, hey, the defense has to make a play. Hey, you know what? The offense needs to make a play. And that's how that game ended. I mean, we got that ball with, you know, whatever left, and, and we had to drive it down to 16 plays. And we had to convert two fourth downs. And so it was really nice. It was really a, an ultimate team win to see us win on, on all phases. Were you ever nervous at all about Eric Schmidt with all those big hits that he kept taking? But, man, he kept getting up and getting up. And then when y'all really needed him, he put the team on his back with that throw to, uh, for the win. 
the toughest player I've ever coached is a guy named Andy Hall. Andy was the, the quarterback of our national championship team in 2003. Andy didn't take a single snap in practice for four weeks because of a bad shoulder and took us to a national championship. And Ryan Cardi, my offensive coordinator, was his backup. And, and Ryan told Eric, like, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to ride you. I mean, we have to ride you in this game. This is the last game of the season. We're, and goes, Coach, I get it. And I now say the two toughest co- players I've ever coached in my entire life are Andy Hall and Eric Schmidt because Eric Schmidt was a warrior out there. And I think when your quarterback is that tough, everyone around you just rallies. There's such respect for a guy who easily could be a prima donna, like let me put the, the different colored jersey on so I don't get hit in practice. But that's not who Eric Schmidt is. Eric Schmidt's just, you know, a play, football playing fool. I mean, he just goes out and plays as hard as possible all the time. And I think that energy, we rally around that. Casey, I've become a huge fan of, of Jaquez. Talk a little bit about uh, what uh, what he has meant to the football team. I, I thought the first touchdown was just special. I mean, seriously, just special. Yeah, and you know, the punt return, who, the, the block that was made that they called was sort of away from the play. So really, that was a legitimate punt return. I mean, he puts the, gets the ball in his hands. You just don't know what's going to happen. And the thing is, guys, he's, he's been on like a, a bad ankle for like a month now. You know, he had a little bit of Achilles and Roy couldn't practice for about two weeks. And then he started to get back healthy. And I know like he was all excited. He just got a new place on campus and he's going to be coming back June 1st. And he and the strength coach are talking nonstop and the dietitian nonstop about how he's going to get bigger, faster, stronger. He's going to be even a bigger uh, part of what we do than he was this year. So, uh, yeah, he's and he just he's having a great experience. This has become family to him, and uh, it's great just having a guy that you know, when the ball gets in his hands, just watch out. I mean, he's electric. Coach, uh, one local kid for us that was super excited to watch y'all win that national championship is uh, Zach Arbacic of Troy, and he's going to come and play for y'all. What did you like most about him, and how do you see him fitting into your offense? Yeah, yeah, he's electric. <laughs> he's just electric. You know, so um, we see a guy that's a playmaker. And, um, you know, we were blessed this year. We have the whole team coming back. I mean, like 97% of the 100-man roster will be back with us next year. And so we're going to be able to do something that most FCS programs can't do. North Dakota State finds a way to do it. Now we're going to be able to do it. We're going to be able to redshirt most of these guys. So they get four games. Ideally, he's going to be able to get a redshirt year with the rest of this freshman class. And uh, that would be awesome because then we do graduate some running backs in the future. If we have to play him this year, we're going to play him this year. And he's so electric, he could play this year. We're going to see how that all works out. Coach, you, you obviously have played into May with this championship. How does that affect, A, your offseason and how you deal with, with offseason, and, and, B, getting started back in the fall in a quote-unquote normal football season? Yeah, you have to navigate this. This is sort of uncharted territory a little bit. So what we've decided to do is we had a meeting last night. Kids are getting extra interviews right now, making sure they're all set with their academics and they're, you know, coming back for summer and all this. And we're not bringing them back till June 28th. So we're giving them a pretty good break. And now we're asking them to work out and stay in condition, but, like, get away from it. It's been a long season. Now, we're going to get back June 28th. We're going to condition them. And then training camp, we're going to take some periods off of practice because – that extra wear and tear we don't have to put on our guys. They understand the offense. They understand the defense. Uh, we're going to limit our hitting. And then something the institution did, which I think is phenomenal, we're playing 10 games. We're, we're building in two bye weeks into our schedule 
because our institution thinks there's been a lot of wear and tear on our players. And playing all the way to the middle of May, we don't want to put our kids in harm's way by having a money game or that 11th game. So I can't thank my institution enough. I think it's a brilliant plan, and I think that we're doing it in a very prudent way to get our kids and, and be able to play a spring season and then go play a fall season. You've been in this position before. I mean, you've won national championships at Delaware. How did the exposure that y'all received this season by playing the spring season compare to years past? Because I feel like y'all had all eyes on you when you know nobody was uh, – you had D1 football wasn't distracting you. Well, uh, if you're like me, when the Super Bowl's over, uh, there's nothing to do. I got nothing on a weekend. Like, you know, what do I do? So, so the nice thing was we had – a lot of people who might not even have known FCS football existed to this level. And what they see is a lot of natural rivalries. And what they see is really good football. And what they see is, you know, a, a level of football that had the third overall pick in the NFL, had Joe Flacco, who was a first-round pick, who ended up taking uh, the Ravens to the Super Bowl, you know, Kurt Warner. I mean, this is good football. And I, I think we got a lot of eyes on us. We got a lot of attention. I think it was good for FCS football. And just good for football in general. Now, can we do this full-time in the spring? No, it doesn't work that way. Just because they need the money games um, to survive. Uh, like I say they, I mean, we don't take money games every year, but mm. a lot of FCS programs do. And also just a natural cycle of recruiting. It, it's going to, like, you don't want to have one part of your football, you know, in, in spring and one part in the fall. I thought what we did was the best-case scenario. But, you know, football in the fall is what we have to do. Last thing I have for you, and I look, I know you're probably going to play this down, but you passed Jim Trestle, and you're the only coach who's won a national championship at this level at two different schools. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, it, it wasn't on my radar. So I got a text message maybe two, two, three weeks ago, and they said, hey, by the way, you just passed Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler for most wins in the history of college football. And, you know, and now you're, now you're eyeing Trestle. I'm like, what's going on here? And I don't, those guys are icons. You know, I just see myself as a college football coach that's been really blessed to have really good players around me and, I mean, a phenomenal coaching staff. If you think about the guys who work for me, like Neil Brown was my wide receiver coach, the head coach of West Virginia. Dan Lanning's that now the D coordinator at Georgia. He was my DB coach here. Kyle Flood coached my offensive line in Delaware in 2003-4-5, and he's the old coordinator of Texas. I've been blessed to have so many great coaches work for me that uh, it's really a tribute to all the guys who've played for me and, and have coached for me. All right, so I lied. I got one more question. Your relationship with the <laughs> AD, it seems really remarkable. Could you talk about that? Absolutely. You know, he brought me here. I remember the phone call to hire me, and it was like, we're bringing you here to win a national championship. And I said, you're going to give me the resources. We're going to give you the resources. And so every time I've gone to him strategically, I don't go ask for a million things. But when I ask for something, it's like he understands why I'm asking for this. You're dealing with a guy who's coached college football for 17 years. So when you coach college football for 17 years, you know the life I live every single day. So when I have something going on in my world, he understands what's going on in my world. So it's such a great relationship. Uh, you know, he just signed on for three more years. That made my wife and I very happy. Um, and, again, it's, it's such a unique situation having an athletic director who's been a college football coach for 17 years. He understands exactly, you know, how to build a program, what works, what doesn't work. And when I ask him for something, he knows I'm not going to be frivolous. You know, and I'm going to come up with answers. Like, like we wanted a full-time football strength coach. I got a $50,000 check from one of the alums to start that thing off. I wanted a dietitian. Two alums and myself paid for that position for two years. 
I said, I'm going to put my own money where my mouth is, and but you need to take this over next the next year. And he did. So I work very well with him because I think he relates to the fact what I do for a living is hard, and he doesn't want to make it any harder. Casey, again, uh, congratulations, and uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us over the last month. It has been a blast uh, getting to know you a little bit, and, man, we are so excited for you, and uh, we wish you uh, all the best. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you, too. Hey, have a great day. Casey Keeler, the uh, head coach at Sam Houston.